Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, that's wonderful, guys. Thank you so very much, uh, Vineyard Church family, and uh, those of you who came to visit us for the first time. My name is Denis Kozlov. I'm an associate pastor here. And when I speak, you can detect a little bit of an accent because I wasn't born in the United States of America. I wasn't born in the state of Ohio, but I got here as soon as I could, all right? So I want to start today, I want to start today with a little video, a very special video. You see, several, several weeks ago, the war has started. Russia, the country I was born in, invaded Ukraine that used to be part of the country I was born in. And that devastated me. That I, like for the first week, I was depressed and anxious. I couldn't even read my Bible. It was it, I was torn apart by that. I was tormented. And then I started reaching out to my Ukrainian friends. And I have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ, my friends in Ukraine and here in the states. And I reached out to this pastor. And it's interesting because I met this pastor last year online. And the reason I met him online was because I became a Christian in 1992. And in, tw tw uh, in 2012, God really reset the button in me and refocused my vision. And I began to preach the gospel of God's grace. The life became easier for me because all I know is the cross of Christ as the manifestation of the love of God for you. And that's all I preach. If you don't want to hear me, don't listen to me. But that's all I preach. So I, I preach the grace of God, the goodness of God, and I always on the lookout to find other preachers like that. And that's actually how we connected with the senior pastor of this church, Neil Haney. I moved here with my family. We met once and we just clicked. And it just felt like we, we are in the same tribe. We preach the gospel of radical grace of God. And I keep looking for those preachers and I found this pastor in Ukraine and he's preaching the same kind of message. And I loved it so much. So I took note of him. And later I learned that he actually took note of me. So we kind of knew of each other. So finally I reached out to him and I said, hey, Vitaly, I'm Dennis. You, you mentioned me once. You recommended my, my sermons on your website. Hey, do you want to talk? He said, yeah, but I can't right now. I said, why? He said, I just got released from the hospital. I had a real bad case of COVID. <clears throat> I was put in the intensive care unit where people actually are put to die. The turnover was so bad, he was the only one out of probably 30 people. 30 people came in, went to the morgue. He was the only one who returned. He returned and he told me, I was so weak. I couldn't even meditate. I couldn't even preach the goodness of God of myself. But I was just trusting his goodness and his love. And he took me right out of the death. I said, wow, that is so cool. He said, so in a couple of weeks, I will probably be able to speak again. Because he couldn't speak. He got so weak. I said, okay. So in a couple of weeks, I called him and we talked. And it was wonderful. So when the war began several weeks ago, I was so devastated and I felt so bad. So I decided to reach out to him. And I reached out to him and I said, Vitaly, I'm devastated by this war. How are you doing? And he started encouraging me. 
he being in the war zone he began to preach the gospel to me he began to tell me how much God loves me how much he he did for me and it started lifting up and then I started learning more details about his life like his son and his daughter went on a mission trip to Ireland and somehow they got a copper poison poisoning and they almost copper poisoning and they almost they all I'm sorry my English is not my native language <clears throat> and they almost died and his his daughter had to have a liver transplant and I'm, I'm thinking like this guy is like Job of the modern day and he rejoices in the Lord so when I was told that I'm ready I, I will be preaching to you on Easter day on the day of resurrection I contacted him and I asked him can you write a little can you record a little video for my church just to encourage them and he said yes of course but he apologized he's in the war situation he said we don't have we don't have water right now so my hair is a mess I'm sorry I couldn't shave we have some drinking water but we save it for drinking and cooking so he said would you Paul I said don't worry about it brother so let, let's let's watch your encouraging word from my brother and your brother I am a pastor from the city of Nikolaev a frontline city in Ukraine my name is Vitaly Leonov Greetings to you, dear Vineyard Church in Springfield, Ohio. I have this wonderful opportunity to join you as you celebrate the great day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know that in the Old Testament the type of this day was Passover, a great day when God delivered His people from their slavery. For us, the people of the New Testament, the significance of this day is even greater. The Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead for our justification. He did not only give us forgiveness, it is much more than that. He justified us. Now, we happen to live in a state of war. I myself, my family, brothers and sisters in our church, in the middle of this war we have encountered God's goodness in a new way. What enables us to experience God's goodness is our realization that God justifies us. He loves us and He values us. He keeps us safe. He keeps us safe in the middle of the artillery attacks, in the middle of the missiles attacks. He keeps us safe every time an air raid alarm goes off. The people of our church continue to experience God's peace. We are grateful for specific things. For example, one of our sisters we have been able to send away to a safer part of Ukraine in the West. The very next day after she left, her house was destroyed by a rocket. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters. In this time of war, we experience God's goodness in a very real and special way. I really want to encourage you. I want to bless you and I want to tell you this. In your faith in Jesus Christ, in your faith that in Christ God Himself justifies you, you will find all the hope that you need. You will find God's provision. You will find all of God's covering and protection. Before the war began, we used to view many problems in our lives as great insurmountable problems. Now they turn out to be so small. I want to tell you one more time, please believe that God truly loves you. Please believe that God really values you. When you learn to abide in His love for you, you will be getting filled with His joy. And all the problems that may seem great to you now will shrink and will not look like Goliath in front of you anymore. And you will know their true size and you will know what to do with them you will be living in the victory the Lord has given to you.
my, he is my hero. He believes in the goodness of God. And today I want to talk about the basis, the foundation, the firm foundation of our faith. And we're talking about the res resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to start with this verse. Revelation chapter 1 verses 17 and, and the beginning of the first uh, verse 18. Jesus speaking. Fear not. I am the first and the last. And the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. I, I am living one. I died for real. I died. I let the death swallow me once. But I'm alive forevermore. I'm the beginning and I'm the last one. And I have the keys of death and Hades. You see, millions of Christians today gather in churches all over the world and they talk about resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I listen to a lot of those messages and I, uh, I notice that a lot of them try to really, really convince you that it really, really took place, which is good. And there are many books written about the historicity of the event, which is great. And you can easily find those books and I read many of them and they're wonderful. They're good. You, they can list different reasons why it is really his, a historical event. They, they, they bring medical reasons. They bring historical reasons. But today, I want to talk about historicity a little bit. And I want to focus on one specific thing that we can see in the New Testament. I want to talk about the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to talk about you. I want to talk about the practical application of the resurrection of Jesus for you personally living today here in Springfield Ohio in 2022 so I'll start with historicity <clears throat> I call it a great deconstruction of faith have you heard of this term deconstruction of faith recently no young people young people well, well basically what it means and it, it became kind of trendy unfortunately uh, and we can hear it from many prominent ex-Christians, people who used to identify themselves as Christians. Some of them were even influential ministers in Christian churches. And somehow something has happened to them. They had some experiences that triggered the process. And, and, and they began to doubt and questions, question their belief, their Christian faith. And they started taking it apart. And before soon, I mean very soon, they learned there's nothing left. And they said, we can't call ourselves Christians anymore. There is no substance to this set of beliefs. How many of you heard of these people? And listen, I, maybe some of you have those doubts and struggles. Actually, I don't blame you. If you're honestly, if you're an honest person, if you're, if you're thinking, if you're reasoning, if you're asking questions, you might get to this point when you begin to doubt things that you used to believe, doubt things that you've been raised. And some of you have been raised in church and you, you know, and by now you're wondering. So, and that happened throughout the history. Big deconstructions of faith. For example, Christian church, unfortunately, used to claim that they know everything about everything. We don't anymore which is good, it's humble, it's good, it's right. But they used to say, hey, we know answers to everything. And they would give you, a, and then the science began to develop. And then they say, hey, listen, the earth is not flat. 
And all of a sudden it was a collapse of faith for some because it was part of Christian teaching. And people were like, huh? Can I believe the rest of the stuff? Okay, some get, got over it. They remain to be Christians. And then the next blow, boom, the earth is not at the center of the universe. It's not that everything spins around the earth. No. How come? Wow, boom. Deconstruction of faith happened again. Cool. But listen, this is nothing compared to what happened to the disciples of Jesus. This is nothing. And this is the biggest proof for me personally that it really took place. That it, it is a historic event. Its physicality is there. I can feel it. I can touch it. I can see it. Why? Because the church itself documented their skepticism and their utter doubt and unbelief. Let's look at some of the scriptures. Because you see, when Jesus came to the scene, the, 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 the air was electrified with expectations. Jewish people were expecting, uh, were waiting for the God-promised Messiah, the Savior, to come and to reverse the order of things, to change the reality, to reestablish the kingdom of God, to uproot all, all unrighteousness, and to establish God's righteousness. They were waiting for it. And then every time the prominent person would appear and would begin to preach or do something, they would, they would ask this question, is that the one? And when Jesus came, the same question was like, is he the one? And the, the, many people recognized he's God's man. Many people recognized he's a prophet of God. Many people recognized he's a miracle worker. He's healer. He's this. He's that. <clears throat> but some people began to believe that he is the one. Some people began to follow him and to their hope raised in them that he must be the one. And they put all their chips on one spot. They put all their eggs in one basket. They, they said, yes, he is the one. And when he died, all their hopes died with him. And they documented it. There was no plot to continue or launch the movement that became to be known as Christianity. There was no, uh, no planning, no intention to launch any kind of movement. It was the end. Let me show you from the scriptures. Let's, let's try to read them like we've never read them before. So the, the first, the first uh, passage is Luke chapter 24, verses 37 through 38. Actually, I'll start with uh, 36. As they were talking about these things, what things? They were talking about what happened to Jesus and how much they hoped in him and how much they lost now. There was all hope lost. Jesus himself stood among them. Jesus himself, after he died, he stood among them and he said, peace to you. Here's their response. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They did not believe even after he showed himself to them. They said, it must, not, it must be something else. It must be a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet. That it is I myself. Touch me. See. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you, have you anything here to eat? <laughs> I mean, if I would try to come up with some kind of a hawk story, I would write it differently. You know, that's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, what's going on? So, and listen, and they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it before them. That fish is good. Can I have some salt, please? <laughs> well, just, just imagine that. Just Im and, and it's a small community. I mean, Israel is small, and those cities and villages are all small. So we can relate to that. We're a somewhat small community in Springfield or Clark County. Just imagine a prominent person that you respect and you see speaking every once in a while on big gatherings. You got a report that he got shot dead by a reservoir here in Clark County. And there's everything pertaining to that. Police shows up, they do the report, they take it to the funeral home, they announce the, they publish obituary, they have a funeral in the funeral home, viewing, and you attend the viewing, and you know he's shot three times in the chest, and you feel very bad and very sorry, and everybody's talking about it, how horrible it is, and some people were devastated. Well, anyway, Three days later, he shows up in your house. You would act exactly like these guys did. First, you would faint. Then you were like, am I going crazy? Maybe it's a paranormal phenomenon. That's a ghost. And he is unbuttoning his shirt and says, hey, look at this. Three holes from being shot dead at reservoir. And then he goes, do you have anything to eat? I would like to grab a bite. <laughs> do you see how real it is? Because reality is usually crazy. I mean, nice books are nice. Reality is crazy. Well, anyway. <laughs> so Mark uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. When the Sabbath came, was passed. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. Now we're talking, now we see things from the women's point of view. Those women, they're wonderful. Their hearts are so soft. They love Jesus, but they do not believe he's alive. They do not assume he's going to come back. They do not. Just look what their plan is. They're sad. They're, 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 they're distressed. But here's their plan for today. They went to buy spices. Why did they have to buy it? Jesus spoke about his death and resurrection. They checked out mentally. Everybody, women and men. They didn't want to hear that. That's why they did not have spices to prepare the body. Now they have to buy it. They go to buy it and then they remember there's the next hindrance. They say, hey, they were very early next week when the sun had risen. They went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance in the tomb? You see in the ancient Israel, they would cave those, they would uh, they would create those little caves in the rock and they use them as a sepulchers, right? You call it this way. And it has a little opening to, uh, as a door and they would use a big rock like a will, very heavy. It took several strong men to roll it to seal, to close the opening into the tomb. And they were going and said, wait a minute, who's going to unroll it? Because we don't have enough manpower. We don't have people with us to help us. So that's a problem. So 
I just wanted you to see that nobody assumes anything miraculous to happen. Do you, do you see that clearly now? Do you? Okay, good. So that's for me is, is the proof that it really happened. You see, church did not create Christianity. Church did not create the Bible. Church did not create the new movement. The resurrection of Jesus did. The resurrection of Jesus actually created the church, created the New Testament, created the movement that began and in spite of all the resistance, it, it has reached us today. We're part of it because Jesus has risen. Jesus is risen from the dead. You see? All right, you, you, you see my logic, you, you trace me, uh, you track with me. The resurrection of Jesus was not a matter of fact. That's important. Those guys were not believers. You just saw a couple of examples. They were not believers. They were witnesses. You know, by default, a witness is someone who doesn't have to believe. He has seen it. He has experienced that. And when Jesus appeared to them, he made them witnesses. So the church of Christ, you and I, we were born out of the utter disbelief and skepticism. Do you see that? That was confronted with the reality of the resurrection of Christ. All right? So these guys, they were eyewitnesses of his life and ministry, and they were eyewitnesses of his death. They could not deny the reality of death. And then they were confronted with a different reality with the reality of his life again and they couldn't deny it so they really were not a believers in his resurrection they were witnesses of his resurrection so and they became believers in the meaning of what he has done because they were witnesses of his resurrection do you see what i'm saying i'm saying we today we believe many things in christian teaching not because just decided to believe but we trace it back to the historic event of the resurrection of Jesus are you tracking with me all right okay good good I'm, I'm glad I'm not talking to myself only or to Neil and you see it's part of their testimony this utter unbelief and skepticism the church did not create the Bible I've already said that when well when Apostle Paul was writing about the meaning of the resurrection and I'm, I'm going to go there in, in a second in a minute he was he was talking about 500 people that were still alive that were those witnesses so let's go back to this guy who got shot at the reservoir and came he appeared to more than 500 people in springfield ohio and let's say today 360 is still alive you can actually trace them in town you can go and find them changing oil in their car or doing whatever or walking shopping in Kroger and you can bump into them and say hey aren't you such and such yeah aren't you the one that actually met John Doe from Reservoir after he got shot and he was alive yeah can you tell me detail oh yeah oh, that was crazy we ate pizza together <laughs> I, I want you to see that it's real do you see that all right all right let's come to the meaning of the resurrection death and resurrection and we can't talk about just resurrection you understand that right in order for a resurrection to take place death, death must have happened so i want to talk briefly about death and resurrection so 
Paul gives a succinct summary of how the message of the gospel, the, the core, the heart message of Christian faith is called the gospel. The gospel is translated as good news. And here comes the succinct summary of how the message of the salvation works from Paul. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. And he says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God truly raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Amen. That's how simple it is. That's how powerful it is. And it, it, it hinges under historic reality of his resurrection. God raised him from the dead. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, let's bring it up to the screen. Paul reminds people of the gospel. He says, now I would like to remind you brothers of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. That's what saves you. That's what makes you Christians. That's what brings reality of God into your life. Your acceptance and receiving of the gospel, the good news. And here's the gospel that Paul preached. He said, here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. That's a dif different name for Peter. And then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still alive. The same, like a few seconds ago I told you this. Then he appeared to James. Oh, James, that's another story. You know, James was the brother of Jesus. I never had brother in my life. But it would take a real miracle for me to acknowledge that my brother is God sent Messiah and the Savior of the world. Do you see that? And James actually did not believe Jesus was who he claimed to be during Jesus' ministry. Never. He did not believe him. You can read it in the Bible. Only after resurrection. Only after he was witnessing his death. And only after he rose again and came. He, he was raised from the dead and he came to him. He appeared to him. He said, my God, my Lord. All right. Last of the, and last of all, to, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So, okay, I'm going to talk about Paul just for a few minutes. Because Paul was used by God, not only to preach the gospel that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, but that he, he, he gave revelation of what it means. What the death of Christ means to you personally. And what, what the resurrection of Christ means to you. You see, the early disciples, if you study the book of Acts, they began to preach. And when they began to preach, they preached Jesus as the promised Messiah who was killed and his death was bad news for them. You, you never read in the first chapters of Acts that the death of Christ was something good. It was bad. But then the good news was that God raised him from the dead and declared that he's truly the Messiah promised and sent by God. And now they basically were focused on preaching among Israelites. If you would have a 
If you would have a time machine today and if you would travel back to Israel back in time and you would go to those early disciples and say, hey guys, Jesus' death was not just for you. It was for the all people from all the nations of the world. They would go, what? What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. It's our Jewish thing. You have no clue. It's about our Jewish scriptures. It's about our Jewish history. It's about our Jewish whatever. And they did not have, I mean, I don't, know, I don't want to call their message truncated, but it was very limited in their understanding. Here's the irony. God launched us as Christian faith, as Christian church, out of the utmost disbelief and skepticism. To bring it, to bring the game, to step up the game, to bring it to the global level, he took someone who not only disbelieved, who fought furiously against Christianity. I'm talking Apostle Paul. Before he became Apostle Paul, he was Saul. He was a Jewish zealot who really wanted to uproot this new movement because he believed it was false, it was a hoax, it was a con masters of some sort that did something to his nation. And he was going, he was determined to destroy it. And then Jesus, who was put to death and was raised from the dead, appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? And that was it. And then he began to give an understanding and revelation of the meaning of death and resurrection of Jesus and I want you to see that I want you to see that I want to see some of the things that he, he brought and for this reason God began to reveal to Apostle Paul different things about the death and resurrection of Jesus the first one the death of Jesus became the demonstration of God's love for every human being now it was mysterious how God, but it was, it was forever established that God doesn't change his mind about you anymore. He never changed his mind about you. He always had his heart for you, not against you. How did he prove it? Through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And the scripture is, but God demonstrates his love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. So the death of Christ became the greatest proof, the greatest manifestation of God's heart's love for us. The second one, when he began, he began to reveal to Paul that the death of Jesus was not a bad news to us because it was our death. It sounds crazy, I know. You see, in Hebrews it says, but we see him, Jesus. For a little while he was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the sufferings of death. So that, listen to this, by, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. If you think about it, if you study the Bible, the death is intimately connected with sin and unrighteousness. Jesus had no sin had no unrighteousness. He was innocent. He could not die his own death. The death on the cross that you read about is actually the very core essence of your and my death. He died as us. I believe we, we have a slide that kind of uh, signifies that. Do we? 
Yeah, that's, that's the next one. No, go back, go back, go back. It's okay. Um, so the third one, Paul declared that it was, it wasn't, I want you to understand that this is so very important. Please, 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 please stay with me just for a few more seconds. I'm begging you. I've heard many versions of Christian preaching that sound like that. God is mad at you. He want to smash you. He want to destroy you. But Jesus interferes. And what we see here, we see two different attitudes about you. Paul declared boldly that when Christ was dying on the cross, it was God himself redeeming you because he loves you. There is no discordance. There is no schizophrenia, schizophrenia in God. And let's read this passage. The next one, the, the Two, uh, Second Corinthians 5. Oh, no, no, that's, we messed up. I, I, I must have sent the wrong passages. I'm sorry. So I'll read it from my computer. Second Corinthians 5.18. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Listen, in Christ, God reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel, the good news. You see, the death of Jesus was unique. It wasn't his own death. It was your, your death. It was my death. The resurrection of Jesus is unique. It's not just for him to come back to life. It's for you and me to step into real life. In the book of Romans, you can read about it. He says that Christ died for our sins and he was raised for our justification. This is the thing that Pastor Vitali from Ukraine in the beginning refers to. I, I, I mean, the only thing that can hold you steady, keep you sane, and fill you with joy is you holding on to the gospel the guy that, uh, the Pastor Vitali, I mean, he, the circumstances, the circumstances of his life, I think, are more than sufficient to get offended and destroyed and say that everything's bad, God is bad, God doesn't love me. And he's the preacher of the love of God and the goodness of God. Why? Because Christ died and he was raised from the dead. That's why. Okay, never judge God's attitude to you by fluctuating circumstances of your life. Always look up to the cross and that will take you out of any circumstances. All right? And I want to, I'm wrapping it up. So please, I'm sorry. I probably took a little longer than I thought, but I'm wrapping it up and I'm bringing it to the very practical application. And it's found in the book. Uh, I, I brought few passages. One is 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 17. Finally, we can read it officially now. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. What's happening here? The context. Paul is talking to people, to a Christian church in Corinth. And they, there were some people who came and started talking and question and doubt the reality of the resurrection of some of the people that, that already died 
and he used their logic and brings it to a full extent and he said let's let's imagine it's true let's imagine that people who who believe in Christ die and they will never raise they will never be raised again you will have to apply this logic to Christ himself and if you apply this logic to Christ himself that means he didn't he wasn't ra risen from he wasn't raised from the dead and if he wasn't raised from the dead listen your faith is futile what are you doing here anyway go away go home find something useful to do with your life and you're stealing your sins flip it back to positive if Christ has been risen which he is your faith is not futile and you are no longer in your sins that's the main thing I want you to remember if you believe that Christ is risen you're no longer in your sins there are hundreds and thousands of Christian groups and churches that try to slap you in the face with their messages and tell you what's wrong with you dude that's not the gospel the gospel is Christ died for your sins he was risen from the dead and you're no longer in your sins you're free to be loved by God in whatever you're going through and you're free to give this love to others you're free indeed you're finally free you're free because Christ has set you free by his death and resurrection do you hear me people that that is a good news of the gospel that's what you say when you say that you believe that Christ is risen he's risen indeed yes and I want to read John 20 and I'm finishing with this this is the final account of Jesus appearance to his disciples after his resurrection in the gospel of John but he does it in a very unique way you know the gospel of John is a unique gospel it's different from the first three gospels and here's the record there John chapter 20 verse 19 beginning from verse 19 on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of Jews again we see what's happening to disciples zero faith Jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again peace be to you twice as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You wanted to hear what's the practical application to you personally? What does the re resurrection of Jesus have to do with you personally? That's the account. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. MJ, Jesus saying, I am sending you. I'm sending you Becky Jesus is saying that Luther I'm sending you Jesus is saying because you're no longer in your sins and then he says this receive the Holy Spirit that's a new life that's a reality of God that's the presence in tangible tangible presence of God's Spirit moving in your life receive the Holy Spirit and he says if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them 
if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Listen, now the quality of life of people hinges on you. <laughs> I won't let you get off the hook. It's not just for you to rejoice that you are no longer in your sins. You, your presence, your words, your attitude will determine whether or not people will experience God's love and His acceptance. Whether they will remain in their sin, condemnation, accusation, self-deprecation, or whether they will experience freedom. All right? It is a new order of reality created in Jesus by His death and resurrection. And I want you, I don't know who you are, but I want you to leave this place today beginning to believe that you are no longer in your sins because Jesus died for you and He, he was raised from the dead. And I want you to start viewing people around you. I mean, the whole world is run by a wholesale distribution of guilt. We're called to be different. We're called to be wholesale distributors, dispensers of forgiveness, grace, and acceptance. Remove sins from people around you. Remove them first from your own life. Just, just, just shake it off. Don't live there. Don't, don't, don't dwell there. Learn to abide in the love of God. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.